Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 40, Seb and Fauna are reunited with Theo. In this episode, Chapter 41, Part 1, Vivian gives Seb some much-needed advice. Alright, let's dive in. Theodore Bine left the palace a week later to return to his parents in Deep Creek. When Seb and Vivin's beard contest ran out, Vivin was victorious. Seb owed him a pint and a grumbled admission of his victory. The king worked dutifully on his plans for the ogre hide imports, though he didn't tell Fauna so she wouldn't build her hopes up. Even if Seb left Theo out of the picture when he brought it up, Fauna would insert her brother into the role quickly. Therefore, it was best left unsaid. They still had other bills to pass and problems to solve, and Seb didn't want to add anything more to Fauna's thoughts. Nearing the end of her second trimester, Sebastian was pulled away from Imperior for a week. They bid their usual farewell, but Seb was miserable. He didn't want to leave his wife for a single day, let alone a week. However, there was an incredibly important meeting in the heart of Rhydon that he needed to attend. The only part of the trip he enjoyed was taming a rogue dragon on their return home. It was a fledgling, still young. It had been separated from its tamer, and in a panic, wavered into its primal state. Sebastian ran to Fauna when he saw her. He unashamedly gave her a kiss, kissed her belly, and kissed her again. Fauna flushed, but she was equally happy to see him. Several days passed before Fauna once again woke up in the night without her husband next to her. The following morning, she slipped out of the bedroom before Seb woke. Guards blinked at her in surprise. It was the first time they had ever seen her up so early. She gave them a reassuring smile and continued on her way. Vivin stepped out of the washroom half-dressed, telling off his hair. Hey, Ali, have you seen that black shirt? He trailed off when he saw the queen standing next to Alice, just inside their door. All your shirts are black, Vivi. Alice yawned. She was in her pajamas, since Fauna usually didn't get up for another two hours. Are you alright, Fauna? Vivin asked, ignoring Alice's comment. I'm fine. I was just wondering if I could speak to you about something. Fauna rested a hand on her baby bump. Of course. Vivin found a shirt on the wooden chest at the foot of the bed and pulled it on. It's Seb. Vivin already didn't like where the conversation was going. It's Seb, and her tone indicated a problem. Fauna hesitated before continuing. I haven't been sleeping terribly well, and over the past month when I've woken, Seb isn't there. He isn't there, Vivin echoed. It was Alice's turn to wince. She knew what was coming. Vivin strode over to the weapon rack against the wall and grabbed his sword and dagger. He strapped them on as he headed to the door, which Fauna blocked worriedly. What are you going to do? I'm going to tear a strip off of him, Vivin growled and attempted to move past Fauna. Instead, she placed a hand on the arm that clutched the hilt of his sword. Please don't mention this to Seb. In fact, don't give him any indication that we've spoken. Vivin struggled to calm down. Why? Because 
he'll close himself off and you won't get an answer from him, Fauna reasoned, and Alice inclined her head in agreement. Can you please figure out where he's going, and if he's safe? She asked gently, but imploringly. And let me know when you find out. Vivian relaxed the grip on the hilt of his sword and submitted, albeit reluctantly. Yes. But if I find out he's doing anything unseemly, I'll kill him. Vivin stepped past Fauna and closed the door behind him. Don't worry, Alice said cheerfully. He won't actually kill him. Well, probably not. Fauna rubbed her baby bump, wondering if that was the outcome she had hoped for. Sebastian noticed a slight change in demeanor of his head guard and closest friend, but he decided not to ask. If Ivan wanted to talk, he would. Over the course of a few weeks, Seb acted just as he always had. Busy and content. He was affectionate as ever with Fauna, and doted on his mother and Zayraid. Each time Fauna gave Vivin an inquisitive glance to see if he had figured anything out, Vivin would shake his head. Sebastian wasn't gone every night that Fauna woke. Sometimes she would wake in his arms, and other times he would be on his own side of the bed, snoring softly. The queen was tempted to ask Seb up front about his moonlight disappearances, but she wasn't certain she wanted to know the answer. The real problem was when Sebastian suddenly disappeared during the day. He had been in a meeting, and Vivin took the time to go for a break, leaving another guard posted to him. The guard found Vivin and reported the problem immediately. Keep calm. In all likelihood, he went out with Nocte. Vivin watched the snow falling outside, from a window at the end of the corridor. He sent word to Kaylee using Vox Draco to search for the Great Tamer. I'll find him. Return to your former post, and don't speak of this to anyone. Vivin searched the king's usual haunts first. The library, the common room, his study. His chambers, the exercise room, the dining hall. Vivin made the pretense of being busy when he ran into Fauna and Maria. He gave them a friendly nod and kept his pace quick. He knew that if he stopped to greet them, they would ask, Where's Seb? Telling them he didn't know would not go over well. Vivin began checking the obscure places in the palace, including the dungeons, the scullery, and even the stables. Vivin, I've found Nocte. Kaylee's voice popped into his head, and he strode back into the palace. Perfect. Where are they? No, just Nocte. He's roosting in a snowdrift and won't speak to me. Damn dragon, Vivin thought to himself. Why not? He's more stubborn than his tamer. Don't ask me, Kaylee's voice sighed. All right, comb over the woods for me, Kaylee. He has to be somewhere. Vivin racked his brain for where he hadn't checked yet. Seb could have moved in the time it was taking to search. Vivin rubbed his brow, jogging up to the second floor. He didn't want to raise an alarm. The battlements were the only places left he had to check, other than private rooms. Once he began requesting permission to check those, the entire palace would know of Seb's disappearance. The guard in the first lookout tower gave Vivin a bewildered look as Vivin opened the hatch door. Sir? The guard said in confusion. Carry on. Vivin said nothing more, 
moving on to the next lookout. Magna Tectus had four posts, one on each corner of the massive building. The second guard nearly jumped out of his skin when Vivin opened the hatch. This is ridiculous. He's probably in Felicita's room with the baby, Vivin thought as he strode to the third tower. He mounted the spiraling stairs and opened the hatch. He decided earlier that when he found Seb, he would take him aside and give him the what for. But when he opened the hatch to the third lookout post, he forgot about his plan entirely. Seb was sitting against the marble wall with his head in his hands, trembling. Vivin hauled himself up and closed the hatch before kneeling in front of the young man. There was no guard there with them. Vivin grabbed Seb by the shoulders. Are you hurt? Are you alright? I'm alright. His voice was shaky, and he continued to tremble. Just give me a minute. Vivin waited as patiently as he could, but he had to ask. Seb, why did you run off? When I finished that meeting, my heart started to race, and I couldn't stop shaking. I don't know what's going on, he mumbled, still holding his head in his hands. Vivin was fairly certain he knew what was going on. The young regent had finally reached his breaking point. Too much stress balanced on one person's shoulders. Vivin moved over to the wall and sat next to Sebastian. Where's the posted guard? I told him to take a break, Seb replied quietly. Why can't I stop shaking? Vivin knew the answer. Seb was coming down from a panic attack. He didn't want to use that word. He knew Seb would react negatively to it. Why don't you tell me what happened during the meeting? Why did this start? Seb shrugged. Vivin wondered if he was cold. Snow fell into the guard tower from the north. It didn't land on them, but it was chilly. He remembered Seb saying once that he didn't feel the cold anymore. Everything is piling up. I have older men snapping at me for progressive decisions in nearly every meeting I hold. Theo is supposed to be arriving in the next few days to begin negotiations with the elves. Seb finally lifted his head, resting it on his fist as he stared at the opposite wall. His beard was trimmed short, but he did keep it after their little competition, nevertheless. I've been thinking lately. Seb's shaking worsened. About what a selfish asshole I've been. Selfish. Vivin knew the young man was anything but, and it was a harsh judgment overall. Sebastian took a moment to regain himself. I'm not completely oblivious. I hear the gossip. People think I'm too young to have a regency and start a family. I've ignored it. But lately... Seb hung his head. If that primal dragon I tamed on our last trip had killed me, Fauna would have to handle everything on her own. I've read the fine print. She would have to carry the regency, unless she was deemed unfit, for the next 17 years. And she would have to raise our child on her own. And the reality is, if we had waited a few years to start a family, this would still be a problem. Seb ruffled his hair anxiously, and Vivin put a reassuring arm around his shoulders. Breathe, Seb. Settle down. 
The young man looked so frustrated that Vivian didn't know what to say at first. Don't let fear stop you from doing the things you love. Seb blinked at him in surprise at the seemingly random comment. I would never have been a tamer, or left home, or become a mercenary. I wouldn't have married my wife, and I wouldn't have had my daughter. There are always going to be repercussions. I could have easily died in my profession, leaving Livy in the same state as Fauna could be. Vivin made eye contact with Seb. His boyish looks were still very much present in his gloomy expression. Do you want to have children? You know I do. And it's too late anyway. Then that's that. And don't stress out about things that may never happen. As long as I'm here, I'm never going to let anything hurt you. Seb felt the sincerity of Vivin's words. Do you... Do you think I'm rushing and making a mistake? Vivin had thought Seb was an indomitable force. As it turned out, the 18-year-old was simply talented at hiding his true feelings. Vivin hesitated, since he wanted to make an appropriate response. Seb closed his eyes and mumbled, Don't answer that. I think... Vivin gave Seb another reassuring squeeze before withdrawing his arm. That there's less than a handful of people in this country who can do what you're doing. You're an incredible tamer, and a caring husband, and a decisive ruler. There is no doubt in my mind that you're going to be a fantastic father. And, for what it's worth, if it's not evident enough already, I am very, very proud of you, Seb. Seb gave Vivin a little smile. It's worth more than you know. The voice at the back of Vivin's mind pressed him. Should he mention Seb's moonlight disappearances now? When Fauna first told him that Seb had been missing in the night, he was hurt. He had told Seb once that if he ever pulled such a stunt again, that he would quit. He needed to be able to protect him, and if Seb was running off, he couldn't do his job. Vivin was about to open his mouth to speak, when Seb sighed, a puff of steam escaping his lips. I'm so glad you're here, Vivin. I honestly don't know what I would do without you. Seb gave him his sweet smile. So thank you for putting up with me. Vivin nodded, the words caught in his throat. Seb jumped up. I need to check on Fauna. It's been too long. He ran to the hatch. She was feeling nauseous this morning. He disappeared down the hole, and Vivin sat still for a moment. Seb's head reappeared. You coming? Vivin nodded. Yes, Seb. I'll be right behind you. Not only was Fauna ecstatic at seeing Theo again, but the initial negotiations with the Ramofsians were successful. Theo had to stay at the palace to continue discussing the finer details. Princess Felicita and Kael were pleased to have several of their countrymen to converse with. Seb and Fauna also had guests. A Vigosian duke and duchess, who were unable to attend the wedding in the spring, came for their first meeting. Once they were settled, Sebastian and Fauna had tea with the royalty. The reason they hadn't been able to attend the wedding was the birth of their fourth child. 
Fauna led the conversation. We were fully expecting your dear children. I hope they're all in good health. The Duke and Duchess were rather pompous. The Duchess was in her early 30s, and her husband was in his early 50s. The Duchess chortled. Oh, yes. All of our children are in excellent health. We never travel with them. The Duke took a sip of his tea and wiped his grey moustache with his thumb. It's a waste of effort. Fauna gave Seb a quick glance. They were seated next to each other on the settee, and he shifted closer so that they touched. Your newborn is around nine months, isn't he? The Duchess informed her that she was correct, so Fauna mentioned. He weaned quite early. The Duke flushed, though it was somewhat hard to tell since his complexion was typically ruddy, and his wife gave another amused laugh. <laughs> oh my dear... All of my children were handled by a wet nurse. I have the names of several, if you haven't one for yourself yet. Before Fauna could inform her that she wouldn't be employing one, the Duke cleared his throat noisily. <coughs> and the names of the finest governesses and nannies. Fauna held Seb's hand on her lap, close to her rounded belly. Seb watched his wife subtly. He knew Fauna wasn't the type to reserve her opinions, but with company like this, it was for the best. You're too kind, Fauna replied gracefully. You aren't a tamer, are you? Seb directed to the Duke. He already knew the answer, but was looking for a change in the subject. The Duke waved over a servant with a sweet tray. It isn't a trait of Vigosian royalty. In fact, there hasn't been a great tamer from our country in the last millennia. Enough dragon talk. Let us resume our conversation about the children. His wife prattled. Do you have names chosen? We're keeping them under wraps for now, Seb smiled. He didn't want them spreading any more gossip than they already would. A servant entered the room with another tray and was nearly bowled over by the wolfhounds. They barked excitedly and ran to their masters, waving their long tails like mad. They licked the king and queen fiercely and the duchess laughed. <laughs> Oh, what lovely creatures. Bracken and Bramble hadn't taken notice of the guests in their excitement. They whipped around and growled, raising their hackles. Seb sighed and gave Bramble a pat on his hindquarters. If you didn't even smell them, you can't get angry for not noticing them. Quiet down. The lanky dog sat down immediately, panting heavily. Do you hunt? The Duke asked. Several times a week, if I can. Oh, splendid. I rather enjoy the sport myself. What do you say we take a walk in my woods? They need to stretch their legs. Seb was already standing and scratching Bracken's head. The Duke looked reluctant to leave the comfortable, warm room for a walk in the snow, but he didn't want to lose face in front of the beautiful new queen. Seb worked away in his study when Vivin knocked on the door and entered the room. You wanted to see me? Seb glanced up from the parchment he was writing on. Actually, Seb finished writing quickly, then rested the quill in its inkwell. I thought you might want a break from that duke. Vivin sat down across from the king with a huff. He is a rather dry fellow. 
Vivian had been tasked with guarding the Duke for the afternoon while Sub worked. He asked me to explain each artifact in the trophy room in detail. Seb grinned for a split second, then frowned. Do you know what he said to me earlier? What? He praised me for getting Fauna pregnant so soon because it keeps them out of trouble. Seb air-quoted mockingly. What a vile thing to say. Vivin raised an eyebrow in amusement. You have to play nice for another week, your majesty. Seb ran a hand through his hair. So when is Alice leaving again? In two days. Alice's assignment from the Dragon Tamers Council was to lead a group of Cayenne against the last few large bands of marauders. There were three across the country that had survived after the First Battle of Alor. These groups had well over 50 members each, and many of them were tamers. Alice and her team had already disbanded one group. Both Seb and Vivin felt a flicker of jealousy. She had come back with exciting stories of fighting and dragons. It gets so quiet without her here. Or maybe it just feels quieter, Seb murmured. He glanced at Vivin and apologized hastily. Sorry, I didn't mean to make you sad. Vivin chuckled. I'll get on without her. But I agree with you. He stood and stretched, placing a hand on the pommel of his sword. What do you say we go find her and go for a ride? Just the three of us. Sebastian's eyes lit up and he beamed. That's a great idea, Vivin. He ran to the door. I knew you had one or two hidden away in there. Vivin laughed and followed Seb out. They found Alice having a deep conversation with Theo in one of the corridors. Seb motioned for Vivin to stay where he was and put a finger to his lips, signaling to Theo that he should stay silent. Seb crept up behind Alice, and Theo kept the conversation interesting enough so that she wouldn't turn to leave. Alice let out a shriek as Seb grabbed her from behind and lifted her high off the ground. Seb put her down as she cursed his name, and she instantly started smacking him as soon as she was free. Seb raced down the hall, and Alice was hot on his heels. Just when Theo thought they were being unfair for leaving Vivin behind, Vivin shot past him, chasing after them. Theo only wished he had as much energy as the Tamers. The nearer Fauna's due date grew, the closer Seb stayed to her. When Fauna stirred in the night, Seb was there, ready to pull her close and ease her back to sleep. He checked in on her hourly and attended to her every need, though she usually insisted she was fine. He got up earlier in the day to go hunting, jogging, or flying with Nocte. He wanted to be there every morning when she woke up, just in case she had any discomfort. His schedule was completely booked morning until evening, more so than usual. Fauna used to handle financial meetings, and he didn't let her do anything to stress her. Lord Oral joined the ensemble at the palace for his grandson's first birthday. The bets were in. Nearly everyone believed the regent's child would be born before Prince Sered's birthday. Fauna was tired of the teasing that accompanied her pregnancy. Her stomach was so large, she was sure to have twins. Or, with Seb's height, she'll give birth to a 12-pound baby. She was very much ready for what she believed was going to be the future prince to be born. On milder days, which weren't particularly mild in January, she took solace in Nocte's company. 
the dragon was terribly protective of Fauna. She would lay down a thick blanket on the snow, and Nocte would curl up beside her. He usually kept an emerald eye on her stomach and fascination of the random kicks from the child within. And if Fauna had any worry of going cold, Bracken and Bramble eagerly joined them and laid across her legs. In the end, she always had to have Alice help haul her to her feet, as she was stiff, but the quiet time away from speculations of others was well worth it. Seb strode into the library with purpose one evening with a grin. He held something in his hand. His mother shook her head at his outfit. Everyone else was wearing thick woolen clothing or robes with cloaks or shawls. He wore a simple long sleeve shirt and regular trousers. You'll catch your death of cold, she tisked for the umpteenth time. Maybe you could knit me something then. He stopped at her spot on the settee. Maria glared up at him. I have, and you never wear them. Sebastian handed her what he was holding. What's this? Everyone stole curious glances at the scene. Seb smiled and replied gently, It's an award of recognition. Turns out you've been donating so many clothes to the charities in Imperior that they've given you a plaque. I didn't even know that was what you were doing. Maria stood abruptly and pressed the plaque against his chest. You can take it back. Seb blinked in surprise, then took a step back. I'm not going to give it back. Why not? Here. She again tried to give it to him, and Seb stuck his hands into his pockets. Other than it being a bit strange that Maria was refusing the award, it was almost humorous. She only came to Seb's chest in height, and his thick, muscular arms showed with his tight, long sleeve shirt. But there she was, trying to force him to take back the plaque. Don't you want it, Mom? Seb asked, trying to hide his amusement. It's charity work. I don't do it to be recognized. Everyone in the room, the elves, the guards, knew she was telling the truth. Receiving the award was no doubt embarrassing for her. Seb stepped in and pulled her close, giving her a hug. You're an amazing person, Mom. He sat down in the space between Maria and Fauna. But I'm not returning that. Maria huffed a sigh and sat down again, the award and her embroidery hoop on her lap. She stared at them thoughtfully. Theo walked into the room and observed, It's far too quiet in here. Seb threw over the back of the couch. Mum's just received an award of recognition. Maria scowled at him, and Theo exclaimed, That's great. He leaned over the back of the couch and gave her a kiss on the cheek. Congratulations, Auntie. He walked over to the piano and glanced back at her and gave a laugh. Look at that frown. He smirked as he sat down on the bench and began to play. I've always said you're the most beautiful woman I've ever known, even if you have a scowl that could scare a ghost. Teddy. Maria laughed against her will and shook her head, resuming her embroidery. Arthur brought Theo a tumbler of brandy and murmured, That was a good line. You're sharp for a young buck. Theo gave him a debonair grin that was very similar to his sister's. What can I say? I have a gift. Teddy, dear, can you play my favorite for me? Of course, auntie. His fingers flew down the scale and began the song without so much as a pause.
Lord Orel was constantly amazed by the social dynamic at the Rhydonian Palace. To his comfort, his daughter had found a family who cared for her and her son very deeply. And why shouldn't they? She was a special soul, intelligent, kind, and graceful. What surprised him more was how much she had opened up to the humans. Seb and Fauna were now addressed as aunt and uncle in front of Prince Zayraid. She laughed far more than she used to. Her smiles were genuine, and her overall manner unforced. The elvish king held his grandson on his lap and looked him over. He was a handsome little fellow. He had his mother's fair skin. His black hair was coming in thicker, beginning to cover his slightly pointed ears. His eyes were the most incredible change of all. They were no longer baby blue, but violet with a ring of dappled emerald around the pupil. Perhaps you will have some magic in you, the grandfather whispered, bouncing him lightly. Time for bed. Felicita touched his shoulder gently. She lifted her son and gave him a kiss. Is he sleeping through the night? Lord Orel asked as he followed her to the nursery. He sleeps very well, Felicita smiled. And if he has trouble, we keep him with us for the night. Kyle usually runs him back to his crib before he wakes. We want him to adjust to waking there. She paused and gazed at her father with a worried expression. They stopped inside the door of the nursery, and she closed it on Kyle and Grimmon. Does it bother you? Pardon? Her father asked. Her violet eyes examined him apprehensively. Kyle and I, raising Zayraid together, living together. Lord Orel was thrown off by the observation, however, it didn't show in his stoic demeanor. No, you can do as you please. Felicita gave him a grin of disbelief and began changing Zayraid into his thick pajamas. Do you believe I am refraining from the truth? Felicita laid her son down in his crib and tucked him in. The infant's eyelids were heavy, as she said. It is yet another improper thing for the Romofsian princess to do. We should be married. The elvish king refrained from any pointed comments. I am simply happy that the three of you are well. I ask for nothing more. Felicita wondered if that was entirely true as she opened the door. She was met by Kyle, whose slender arms were folded across his chest and his ears twitched in annoyance. She apologized, and the guards slipped past them into the nursery. Felicita spoke with her cousin, and Lord Orel watched as Kyle reached in and tucked in the prince again, murmuring something softly to the infant. He was glad it looked like this. If the entirety of his daughter's life had to be unorthodox, he was glad it looked like this. Thanks for listening to Chapter 41, Part 1 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable. I hope you're enjoying it. Just a quick, important note. You may find that episodes are released bi-weekly instead of weekly soon. I want to keep putting out regular content, but sometimes life gets in the way. If you're enjoying A Dragon Tamer's Fable and you want to get in touch, please reach out at a DTF Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You can also email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons. <laughs>